Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hi, welcome to another week of our show, Med Family. I'm here, of course, your host, Eric Acker, with my wife, Karen. Hey. And uh, today we have uh, Joseph Levi, third year medical student just like me. He's in. We decided to bring him in because he's also doing OBGYN, like I am, so... He is in a with a different preceptor, so I think he's going to have a slightly different experience than I've had. Because I'm with uh, Dr. Brooks, which I think previous guests have had, like uh, Patrick has had him and many others. And you have, who do you, what's your preceptor? Her name is Bola Sogare. She's Nigerian. That's where the... Oh, okay. I, I don't know Nigerian names that well, but... It's a little, okay. <clears throat> okay. A little bit... Th- Initially, when we were talking about your rotation, you were going to be up in Forsyth. Forsyth, okay. But apparently you're in Macon as well? Well, I'm actually in Forsyth uh, every every morning of the week, but she has multiple offices. She does like two offices a day. Oh, okay. So, yeah, she has offices. Two a day? Yeah. (laughs) After lunch, like, she's super dedicated and like uh, when I said what is lunch, that was quoting her, because <laughs> <laughs> I mean she'll literally like eat an apple on the way from offices and take oh. all calls and catch up in in between. Okay, because yeah, because me and Elizabeth we were like on lunch and like because your your partner is Elizabeth's roommate, right? MJ. Yeah, and so we were like, well, what? Mission maybe they're in making. We can just have lunch together. And you, then you send that message, like, what is lunch? Yeah, it's just because, like, I mean, we were behind on patients and one came in last second. She's kind of, she started this natural birthing clinic at Forsyth, uh, Forsyth a year ago, and it's having uh, inspections credentials. What, what, nat- what is a natural birthing center? Meaning they don't do any epidurals there. their deliveries don't usually last more than six or 12 hours. And she kind of screens the patients in prenatal care who who qualifies for this natural delivery. I mean, they they don't use a lot of the the things they'll use in hospitals for for, for planned deliveries there. So like Pitocin? Do they use like Pitocin, do you know? Is that oxytocin, the synthetic? I think so, yeah. Okay. I don't... Thinks all. Okay. I mean, it's I mean, okay if you don't know. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm I'm hoping to. Only a few students of ours have rotated with her, but I think once haven't. I, I need to do a credentialing process to participate when they do a birth there to stay after hours. So I'm hoping that I get to do that in okay. my rotation. So, so we're from the West Coast, and when you hear like natural birthing centers, like like what do you think of Karen? A uh, water birth or a doula or a home birth. Is what I think about. Yeah, yeah. So, I think I think because Joe and I were talking a little bit earlier, and yeah. I think that's fairly similar. So you're gonna weed out all the patients that might be have any major complications. Major complications. So anyone who has I don't know, placenta previa or a high risk factor and has had any C sections pre- previous before. Previous C sections. Yeah. Oh, she won't do any V backs. No. Oh, okay. Sure. Okay. Do they have like a minion they they can sit on? 
Just he, doesn't he, hasn't <laughs> he hasn't been there. He hasn't been in the birthing room. It's like a it's like a ball shaped like a minion. <laughs> that was that was for between the legs after they give you the um, epidural. Epidural, but the epidural, so, so. The epidural is, okay. So it travels to, down both legs. But they don't do epidural, so I guess the yeah so they wouldn't wait, have that. I guess a bigger question: Do they do induction? I don't know. Oh, okay. That, that's a kind of an ongoing yeah. thought. Like, there's a lot of inductions that are done in the middle Georgia area. Okay. Um, I'm not going to go too much into that because I have some, I think, probably strong opinions that I don't necessarily <laughs> want to drag anyone through the mud on, so I'm not going to talk too much about that. So you, the very little I know about your rotation, and I just comparing it to mine, I feel like my rotation is what some people have called like a lifestyle rotation versus because um. <laughs> um, I've been trying to reflect. It's only been two days. So I started on Monday and just like you, you started Monday in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just start, we both got off the online portion. We both had uh, fellow students who've had OBGYNs. I think everyone I had known had gone to Dr. Brooks up until this point where there's a new doctor apparently. Is, is, she, is this the first time she's taking Trinity students? It's the second time. Do you remember Bolu? I do, yeah. He's, he rotated with her. I had him in sight. He was a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, so he had her, I guess, for a second rotation. And it was kind of unfortunate that it was just him because a lot of the patients wouldn't see... And, you know, you need a chaperone anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm lucky I'm with MJ because oh. as long as I'm with MJ, and I, I can go and take a history. And, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing more female anatomy than I would normally... <laughs> I've ever <laughs> so that's I guess that's one uh, thing about the OBGYN rotation. You are going to see a lot more. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's first priority for Doctor Sagade is making sure uh, the patients give us consent for us to be in the room that they're comfortable because I, that's just the nature of the field. Of yeah, that's I think maybe you have a slightly different version than we have because uh-huh. like Doctor Brooks is a male and most of the people who go to see him know that he's a he's a guy yeah. and that. You're going to see a guy, a guy is going to look at you, you know, your private parts and whatnot. He's going to do what he needs to do. And he has a chaperone, obviously. He has nurses yeah. in every room. And whereas yours, your doctor is a female. So I guess it does make sense that your doctor is making sure patients are comfortable with male figures being in the room at the time of procedures. I don't know. I mean, are you guys doing like physical exams or just doing like a history? Mostly, mostly just history. Oh, okay. Like, uh, for some OB visits today, she gave us the Doppler instrument, and we tried to find the fetal heart rate. Oh, nice. To listen to that. We miserably failed on the 13-week, 14-week gestation because <laughs> we didn't realize how low you have to go oh, yeah. to hear it there. But And we did a quick physical exam with what she checks for DVTs and, and checking for pedal edema. But it's a lot less... Because I remember, like, in pediatrics, primary care, you know, you do your basic auscultating heart, lungs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, hardly any physical exam checking. Like, like, she sometimes does when it's a gynecological visit. But just as students, we're, we're so worried about in this rotation, especially because it's MJ's first rotation. She, she grills us on making sure we get a precise history presentation. And I don't oh, think okay. we've done that. To her satisfaction, once in the past two days. <laughs> well, so. I think it's challenging. It's so <laughs> yeah. it's so challenging to know how, what what a like what details are important, and mm-hmm. that then from there you go, which details do you leave out? Right. Uh, because obviously, like 
yeah, uh, vision, you know, cranial nerve three is intact. Like, well, that's great, but, you know, I didn't need to know that. <laughs> or like allergies. Uh, yeah, we, we need to know no known drug allergies, but don't tell me that she's allergic to avocados. We're not going to be serving her guac. And I'm like, well, <laughs> it's just information I got <laughs> taking a history. Sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> I like to think of mine as like, and I'm still kind of working through what I think about my rotation. And it's right now, my current conclusion is this is the perfect rotation for someone who is just starting. Okay. Because, like, when I first started, I was terrified of like patient interviews, going and meeting with patients one on one, trying to deal with a preceptor. And this rotation, like, you show up, you sit in the provider's office, and he gets up and goes into a patient's room. You follow him. He does everything, does all the talking. You stand in the corner. Uh, you might try to find a viewpoint that you can actually see what he's doing. And then you leave the room. <laughs> and then that happens like over and over and over again. So like if you were nervous about starting the rotation, what would it be like? This would be like a, a good one easy one to into. dip your foot into because you're yeah. not talking to the patients. You're not doing any exams. You're not... And that can be a, I mean, that could be seen as a positive and a negative, but <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of fun because do you remember ICCM back at Milton Cato and on the island? Yeah. I remember my very first three hour rotation there was OB. With one patient. Yeah. Yeah. With one patient. <laughs> and it's like four brand new term one medical students <clears throat> trying to get a history just based on a template that. We were taught like the week before. You, you broke you, you a group of like six people and you like broken up that history. Yeah, yeah. Paperwork work into like 14 different, different spots and you're like, I'm doing the the systems review. And I remember like the brown noser in my group knew what uh what Gravita Pair was when none of it, none of the rest oh, of us gosh. knew. Yeah. So she she like presented it to the preceptor that way. And Gravita like, two para three. Yeah, it's just like okay, come on. <laughs> so it feels like a little better now that like I it's been it two, three years. I should have said that the other way around, shouldn't I? Because <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but she quizzed us one way, like today when we were just talking about stuff, finishing up notes at the end of the day. She gave me a Gravita para number that didn't make sense at first. It was like Gravita 2, para 1, zero, 0 for the next number, which means preterm deliveries one for miscarriage and then two for living oh okay and i was just confused because i'm like don't you mean one in preterm but like what 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 would that number it took me probably like two minutes to realize oh one of those pregnancies was twins if there's two oh living. Yeah, yeah it just yeah. it took me a long time to figure that out <laughs> yeah it's definitely interesting I mean, I don't want to go into OBGYN, and I mean, by I and large, jargon. most medical students, all you have to know is the G and the P, like, yeah, and then yeah. like, none of the shelves, the questions I've seen so far have, like, broke it down any further than that, like, like, as long as you know the G and the P, you're, you're pretty good, but, I mean, this is OB, you know, these providers love these, this stuff, that's what they do for their living, so. Yeah, they want to make sure. <laughs> My gosh. But it's interesting. You have like because your 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 doctor has a natural birthing center. Sounds like, and she screens her patients, make sure they're appropriate. You know, they can receive the appropriate level of care for that center. My my doctor, he does everything: surgeries, C-sections, inductions, OBGYN, the whole OBGYN scope. But it it seems like you're maybe more hands on. 
I mean, you have the history taking, you have, you're taking, you're, you're typing in the notes and you're doing the presentation. So, yeah. And we're trying to help her with her notes because she just doesn't have too many people on staff. So she's expecting us to really actually help it complete the notes. Oh, okay. So it's not, keep it's up. not really just, I want to make sure you can write a good note. It's also, uh, I, I, in yeah, order to keep, to keep moving. up with my work because I'm taking time to teach you. Right, right. There's a lot of stuff I'm <laughs> Well, how many patients do you like see in a day? We probably saw 20 plus yesterday and and today, maybe not quite 20. It was 8 in the morning and 8 in the afternoon around that. Okay. <laughs> Seems like such a lot. Like how how much time would you say you guys spent with a patient? Getting the history... At least 10 minutes every time. Okay. And yeah, MJ and I will go in before the doctor and then we'll present and then we go in all together and see if, if she needs to do an annual gynecological exam or something else. She'll check with the patient first if we're allowed to sit in on that. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Done a few ultrasound datings, seeing her do a lot of ultrasound sets. Okay. Are you able to, have they, have they had you use the wand besides the heartbeat? Not, not... No, yeah, okay. Because, I mean, for ultrasound, the, you, you, the, the vaginal probe for the trading yeah. for the for the dating, it's the vaginal probe. Yeah, yes, yeah. that's yeah. The I haven't matters. handled that yet. Yeah, but I think for the anatomy ones, they do just a regular wand. Yep. Yeah, it depends on how far along you are. Right. right. Because I, they redated, like Sarah and Twan's at yeah. the anatomy scan. They redated. The, it's supposed to, if the earlier you date, the more accurate. Whereas the later you date, the less accurate. Right. I remember rightly. Yep. That, okay. That's correct. Like second trimester, you have 15 days of error. First trimester, eight days. That's right. So if you're, what we mean by that is like if by the, their calculations of the measurements you make on ultrasound with the crown rump length and everything, they have an estimated age of gestation for that based on that, whether it it's within eight days difference of the presumed last menstrual period, then you keep the last menstrual period to be more accurate. What what I'm just really impressed with is that you guys basically, you, you started yesterday and you just hit the ground running, like dozens of patients. And if, if, if I sound jealous, it's because I am a little jealous. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing against my preceptor. He's, he's a very nice guy. And I... I'm going to give him a lot of leeway because today he came in, like, I guess he was clearing out some debris from his property or some a neighbor's property, and he, like, got a piece of wood shot into his eye. Oh, and man. So, like, he spent the entire day, like, putting drops and stuff in his eye. I think he said that he thought he had, like, a cornea abrasion or something like that. Oh, so, dang. like, I've, I've had stuff stuck in my eye, and my <laughs> it yeah. hurts, and I, I, I'm sure I'm not the most social person after that, so... And if he's got procedures or surgeries, that's kind of yeah. <laughs> and, debilitating. And, and we're still dealing with the hospital issue where right. the hospital is not letting Trinity students come in. And so we just we just do the clinic and clinic flies. I mean, well, when we see a patient, we fly through that. Like we, we yeah. fly through seeing a patient in like no, no time flat. And then and then you wait. And you wait and you wait and sometimes like the doctor will just like okay I'm out I'm gonna go do a C-section real quick or I'm gonna go mm -hmm. break the membranes on this other patient and he just disappears and he comes back like f ten minutes later and yeah, we're trying to stay awake in the office and okay so you're really close then to the hospital yeah it's like like two blocks away oh okay yeah uh, where we got coffee where I walked to and 
and now winning this uh, exercise competition. That's uh, that's where the uh, that's where Piedmont is. <laughs> right. Like if you've gone to any of the like the making mayhem. Like this, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I went like, to the hockey. It's literally, right like, yeah, right, like right down the like. That's where across I think... the street there's like two shady looking buildings. Yeah, that are, like we parked out. in that parking lot for the hockey. Yeah, yeah. so that's where Doctor Brooks's <clears throat> office is. is okay. like between the two shady buildings. Okay, uh, it's nice. It's a nice office. It's not, <laughs> <laughs> but like the hockey arena is right there, and then just a little bit north is Piedmont. Okay, like just adjacent to it. I think that's where Doctor Cartwright's at. For her residency, yeah, well. our, yeah, our dean of our cores is is doing her psych resident. She's, she's third. a second or third. Year I thought resident. she was third for some. She years. must, yeah. Now she's a third, yeah, to third chief resident, and also dean of our core clerkships, <laughs> and then the, somehow manages the fifth fifth term people. Yeah, uh, it's your side hustle. It's her moonlighting. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta make that money, right? Yeah. Uh, so you initially were going to, I think from the email when we talked, because I picked you up from the airport, we drove down, and you were going to be by yourself, but it sounds like you're with MJ. Well, I just missed it in the email because it said, like, Joseph and Ron. I, I didn't see her email listed, but it's because, I guess, the lady who coordinates our clerkships just called her raw, and I just didn't see those two letters. Oh, okay, so, okay. Yeah, I, I've been calling her, and our preceptor's been calling her raw. That's her last name. Oh, okay. She didn't introduce herself as MJ to me when I met her. So is this just... what you is this what you expected? I guess when you did this, what you when you got to this rotation, is this the kind of work you were expecting to do? Or? I was, you know, I kind of thought I'd be with you and Doctor Brooks. Uh, that it'd be like like Patrick said, like a lot of a lot of procedures, a lot of fun. But this is it's been interesting because it's felt a lot like Peds was of just primary care of having to deal and. and it's made me understand that, yeah, OB, there is a lot of that consultation of you're scheduling people's mammograms or pap smears and getting all those results. And just you're kind of the primary care coordinator for those that specific field. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's so much kind of going on in some of those prenatal appointments because there's... Yeah. Lisa, sometimes it feels like you can, uh, as providers, it's it's tempting to kind of hand wave at some of the like, oh, well, this is your 12th week prenatal visit so yeah we're gonna do a, a bunch of blood work so you know just walk over there and do a lot of blood work and that's what you get like like the std panel the the screen uh, for uh, yeah for the trisomy screens and then the alpha uh, beta protein and yeah uh, you get all those screens done and i know like you we because me and karen we've we've obviously had four kids and <laughs> we've gone through a lot of this blood work stuff and washington actually doesn't do as far as I'm aware of, they never did, like, the the screenings for the trisomies. I don't know. I could go back and look at my my uh, chart, met, and you could tell me if they did or not. I have no <laughs> idea. They just said, you're going to get blood work, and you just go get blood work. And I think it was, like, the second time I was looking at it, I was like, why are they doing an STD panel? Like, <laughs> but, because they don't really, t they didn't really tell me what they were doing. I, I guess just, what they were testing for, they just said, you're getting blood work. Yeah, that's, a, that's kind of, again, we... Can, there's a lot of that hat that happens and you're like, oh, you're going to get some blood work done and then the next time you come in, the blood work came back fine and you kind of keep moving. For your kids, did you guys make a big deal about gender reveals of keeping that information private to celebrate kind of like the way? I think or... we did kind of with our first with 
We had a gender reveal party, but I think that was because our friends wanted to throw a party, so that's how we did it. We didn't okay. burn down a forest, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't do it with any of the others. Um, how does that work to keep that information? Like, you you just tell them to... The ult- you tell the ultrasound tech to just stick the gender in an envelope, and then you can either choose to give the envelope to, like, if you're going to do a bakery or whatnot, or if you're going to have a friend... You can give the envelope to a friend, or you can give it to the bakery, and they can do whatever they're going to do. Yeah, okay. and the tech just lets you know, like, okay, you might want to look away at this point. Yeah. If you don't want to... Right. If you don't want to see... <laughs> you don't want to see the gender, you might want to look away. And that's yeah. at, like, 16 weeks gestation? Uh, about 20. So, yeah, in Washington, we scheduled our anatomy ultrasound at 20. Okay. But yeah. here, it seems like they do it at about 16 weeks. But... They did for Kylie and Rachel and for Ruth, so... Yeah. Yeah, well, the twenty. So our and there's a little bit of difference here, and and maybe this was just because of the practice that we were at. Like we were at the Vancouver clinic for all of our births, uh, all of the midwives anyway, and the OBGYNs that we had worked for the Vancouver clinic. But when we did the ultrasound, like an ultrasound tech would go through and do the anatomy ultrasound, mm-hmm. and then the internal fetal medicine doctor okay. <laughs> came in and then redid the entire test. Right. Um, so it was very extensive. Well, and if there were any issues, she was the one that talked to you about them. Okay. So, and you you know that there's an issue if they dim the screen. <laughs> if they didn't dim the screen while they're doing the ultrasound, you know there's an issue. <laughs> oh, I didn't really notice that, but yeah, that, that does make. I do remember, I do recall that they every now and then like the screen, the monitors that you're watching just disappeared for a second, and then would come back on a little bit later. <laughs> that was one of my dull moments yesterday. Is I didn't know who MFM was. Until, oh, maternal fetal medicine? Yeah, just the coordinating she was doing. And I'm like, who are they? But, yeah, no, I, I'm not... Do, so did your doctor actually works with an internal fetal medicine doctor? or? Well, it's just an updating her own charts. The screenings they do, you know, she has... They do some of them, and then she, she does some of her own. So it's just coordinating, consolidating oh, okay. information. Because I think in, in the practice I'm work currently with, they have their own like ultrasound tech, which okay. I think essentially they just the ultrasound tech does the the twenty week anatomy ultrasound. And I'm only two days in, so I don't know if the doctor reviews it okay. or the ultrasound tech just says, "Oh, by the way, I saw these discrepancies." So I'm not sure how that all works out. But that's that's on my list of things to to do. <laughs> Since we're not doing surgery, I'm. You know, you get some experience with the ultrasound or something like that. You know, just yeah, just get these. I think that would be useful to me. Yeah, because I've, I mean, we haven't worked as ultrasound tech, so you, I feel well, like you can only learn just. Well, even if you don't want to go into OB, like if you're going to be a family medicine doctor, yeah. you're going to you know you do knee injections and whatnot. You want you want to use an ultrasound, yeah, okay. um, to guide the needles, and and you can use an ultrasound for so many different things besides just. OB stuff. So, actually, that's a good question, uh, Joe. Uh, what are you What are you leaning towards right now? Family medicine, primary care. Okay. Cool relationships. I think you had mentioned before uh, embassy. I like to be a primary care physician in the foreign service, and it was interesting over break being in pound. I spoke to somebody at church who works in the foreign service down there who told me what that process is like of what like the job requirements would be for somebody who wants to be a primary care physician. He said, yeah, you don't even need to know the local language of Spanish. 
they, they just look to hire people who've had three to five years experience in family medicine. But it's, he just told me it's more about timing of when, when they're opening, hiring, yeah. opening comes up. When openings you, come up, yeah. So you, you like seeing patients from like start to start to finish and yeah and just the continuity of managing someone's health like on, on a long-term basis like having their history and just being that consultant for okay. helping them know what what to do i'm gonna just pause it here and say like so like the, the distance between him and the microphone <laughs> <laughs> i didn't give joe too many of the rules here so he doesn't he doesn't know he's breaking them as bad as karen does <laughs> Hey, I haven't been talking a lot of times, so it doesn't That's matter true. how close or far away from the microphone <laughs> I am. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of any like other really big questions here, but I mean that's a good segue with your comment on about Panama. So that you spent your holiday vacation in Panama. Yep. And so I picked up a bunch of people at the end of the holidays and so I'm comparing all of the people's holidays and who had the most interesting. So I think you're winning with the Panama, like the most exotic anyway. Like, uh, So what, what are some of the highlights of your trip in Panama? That was a lot of fun. Deep sea fishing was great. It's something we did when we lived down there. My, my dad did a lot growing up. And it was just nice to actually get a good catch this time. But it was also an interesting trip because uh, we tried to save a turtle that was caught in uh, plastic. Like our, our fishing guide had us pull our lines out of the water and we tried to get the boat right next to it to, to help him and cut the plastic up, but we lost track of him and he sunk too fast. So that was, that was kind of sad. Got a lot of beach time in trying to practice surfing. You know, I, it's one of those sad sports where the learning curve, I just haven't lived by a beach to <laughs> long enough to like make it natural yet. So I'm, I mean, usually when I think of Christmas vacations, I think of deep sea fishing and, and surfing. So, <laughs> Hey, if we would have gone to Washington, we would have had snow. I know, that's true. What was what was our highlights, Karen? I don't know. Your your parents now have a tree fort, and that was a big highlight for the kiddos. Yeah. Karen finally wore me down with the trip to Texas, and initially I was like, no, I'm not leaving at 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, let's that's going to be miserable. I didn't, I didn't wear you down. You went on errands with our daughter and was like, she talks so dang much. <laughs> that is what won the argument. <laughs> yeah, I'd take care, uh, take a, 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 a daughter with me somewhere and she'd just be like, is that truck red? Is that a blue car? Is it, What is that over there? What does it look like, Noah? It looks like a car. Okay, well, it's probably a car then. What's Is that a car behind us? Is that, what's that? Is that a yellow house? What house is that? And it's like, oh my goodness, this is, <laughs> I'm going to die in 11 hours of this. Uh, so we left at 3 a.m. She's a very inquisitive person. And that's great. Um, there's nothing wrong with curiosity. It's actually a great thing to have curiosity. It's just 3 a.m. She's asleep and we can get a good six hours in before they really are up and moving too much. About five, yeah. I don't think ours was as nearly as exciting as Panama. Ours was pretty tame. Yeah. We got a couch. We did. It was free. It's pretty Always cool. a good price. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys got Mario Kart. You got a Switch. And we finally switch. uncovered the Switch, you know. <laughs> First time the kids ever saw it. <laughs> yeah, we've been playing for a month, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you kept it hidden from them for a whole month? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. They would go to bed, we would break it out and <laughs> play some games. 
We had to unlock things. Yeah. You know, just to make their gaming experience better. It was really a selfish, a selfless thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so you're only two days. You're only two days into your OBG. So I, so I don't think it's fair to ask you. Like what you would tell somebody else going into OB just yet. How did the online portion go? I'm always kind of curious of how some people handle the online bits. I think I'm glad I had it before rotation again. Because, you know, we have a bunch of classmates who complain about how much busy work those iHumans are. (laughs) But really, like, doing those soap notes and using that platform to practice history taking and seeing like those common cases they presented us, I think was super helpful for what I'm doing now. And I just, you know, the subjects we go over in OBGYN were always my weak subjects in, in the first two years of medical school, like female repro pathology or even just female repro anatomy. Yeah. So (laughs) I was glad we had the extra two weeks to study just to, put a little more eye. My weak points are generally the, you mentioned pathology, it's basically like any of the tumors of the female reproductive system, I'm, I just get lost. Yeah. I get so lost on those ones. You, have Dustin's videos been helpful in him saying there's not really any ovarian tumors, but they're... <laughs> this, <laughs> the this, this is online men ed, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he is uh, three or four videos where he re- reiterates the same thing over and over again. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's helpful. I, I definitely have used a lot. I felt like his videos for OB were much more applicable and helpful. Than for PEDS. Then, yeah, PT wasn't bad. It just wasn't as great. But OB is definitely a, I think he hit a home run on those videos. I love some of the, I mean, he, 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 uh, online med ed, the guy who does the presentation for those, he's got a bit of a drier humor, I think, I would say. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think his, see if Joe has watched the videos close enough. What's the indication for a pesiotomy? I clearly haven't watched him close. <laughs> he said, uh, I think he said <laughs> intern yeah. training. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, you never do that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because nobody's supposed to have an episiotomy. Right. I can barely remember what it is, so that makes sense. Intern training. What's not supposed to? Do not do that to someone. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is an episiotomy? It's when you make an incision uh, into the vaginal canal to make it so that you don't, as the baby's coming out, it doesn't cause, it doesn't tear. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. The idea is that if you make an incision, the tears won't be as bad. There will right. be controlled tears. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's the idea. Okay. <laughs> but then yeah. you have to sew it up and you... Yeah. Oh, we never... You, you never had any pieces. No, I think with Oliver, she had said that if he didn't... They thought the cord was wrapped around his neck. So they, she said if he hadn't come out when he did, that she was contemplating doing one. You, and I knew from our sister-in-law at the time that I did not want one. Because she had one. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. You don't remember Diaz's... Dr. Diaz's... Uh, there's one anatomy thing where she had like different directions you you people would do episiotomies like you never wanted to do it at like the six o'clock because you'd run a risk of going into the mm-hmm. the perineal. That was in anatomy two. I, I it was either anatomy two yeah. or anatomy one. I don't remember, but Doctor Diaz was definitely covering that. Okay, neither yeah. here nor there. <laughs> so are you seeing mostly? I know it's it's. OBGYN, but are you seeing more gyno or are you seeing more 
pregnancies. I've seen more gyno so far. Oh, okay. Actually, I, I've seen... So today was mostly OB, um, obstetrics, um, but I think yesterday we saw a lot of gyno. I mean, there's some funny funny things like... Uh, I think we were trying to figure out... I think it was some sort of abnormal bleeding or something like that. And the doctor had suggested maybe putting the IUD in to help with that. And then the, the, the patient made kind of an offhanded comment about having a hysterectomy like, I don't know, six months ago. <laughs> and he was like, well, an IUD is not going to help. <laughs> so <laughs> so <laughs> it's just kind of like, it's interesting. Um, mostly it's obstetrics for us anyway. We've had a few STDs, but mostly, obst- mostly obstetrics. Right? But I'm, I'm sure I'll have some more gyno. Those are like, we've... Yeah, we've had just barely a little more gyno than obstetric visits, I remember. But I just remember the gyno ones more because, yeah, their they're STDs or, or their concerns that these girls are having of, like, why are their periods different or why do they have vaginosis coming back after they've been treating it for so long. Oh, okay, okay. <clears throat> and so, yeah. But your, your doctor doesn't do... The hysterectomies and stuff like that. Like, I, I think she unlikely to do like the scopes or anything. Or do you think she might? In her regular day to day, at any of her offices right now, no, I don't think she's doing too many of those those procedures. Oh, okay. She is certified to do I Da Vinci robot. Yeah, she's completed training in minimally invasive gynecological surgery, and, and yeah. Da Vinci robot type stuff. So that's for like endometriosis and whatnot? You can use it for endometriosis or right. you can use it for hysteria. You can use it for like a wide range oh, okay. of things. Because it's basically like a giant robot with little claws. No, I know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, out of curiosity, have you guys noticed that your OB patients that you kind of serve as their primary care? Or do you, are you noticing that that's not really the case here? Because I know... Like, I had a primary care provider, but I don't know if I ever... I saw her once. That's a good point. Because I saw my OB way more than I ever saw my primary care. Yeah, because I, I think I do remember a few patients where we were advising them to go ahead and continue certain medications that were not OB medica- medications. Yeah. But, I mean, I can see where they maybe were concerned. You know, like, I think it was like a, a sertaline like concerned if there was any risk to a pregnancy if they were taking their certaline. No, but okay. but I mean obviously like is we're an OBGYN practice. Well, it is an OBGYN practice. They do a lot of birth control prescriptions and whatnot, and I can see like primary care could do that as well. I'm trying to think of anything else that because when you when you're young and healthy, like how often do I go see that I'm not exactly the healthiest person, so maybe not use me as an example, <laughs> but how often do healthy individuals just go see a doctor unless you have to have a physical? Like, not that often. Okay. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't assume. So I mean, women are probably in a similar category. As long as everything's ticking along just fine, you don't need to go see a, you know, why see a OBGYN and, your primary care physician. I can see why a lot of them just go, well, I really the only thing I need to do is have a pap smear every so often. Or well, you get one with every pregnancy. Do they still do that? Yeah. 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 Get one with every pregnancy. And she's managing a lot of girls' pap smears who start them at 26 and every year and ones that are past 40 scheduling out the mammogram. Yeah. You know, yeah. a lot of that care. 
That's uh, true. That is being coordinated. So, true. I mean, it is it is a primary care kind of role. Yeah. But, but, you know, just, like, the issues women face of, like, either UTIs that they could take with primary. True. With family and primary. I just feel like I've seen a lot of what I would have expected. But my preceptor's done a really good job of handling at primary care. And just, uh, she's also board certified in family practice. Uh, oh, okay. Well, she's OBGYN. Dual? Yeah, she's dual board, board certified. Wow. Good for her. That's a lot of work. See, to me, it would seem like a lot of work. Yeah. I don't know if it really is, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure it is. But it was fun with one patient we had today just talking about that interaction of, uh, it was the, the daughter's first visit, but she's also seen her mother several times for issues she's had in the past. I think whether it's obstetric care or gynecological issues, but she was more aware of like the family situation at home that was probably causing stress on this daughter for some of the issues she was wondering she, she's been having that she's, uh, oh, okay. she thought she had cervical cancer, but she tried to explain to her why that's probably not a likely diagnosis. So, so the doctor was explaining why it was unlikely to the, yeah, the young to the daughter, patient, to, to, to the 19 year old, Oh, okay. uh, why second year college student. Yeah. <laughs> A very unlikely a cervical cancer. Who's just been stressing and been taking clonidine for insomnia and had this other oh, host man. of issues uh, that have led to dyspareunia and frequency of urination, just trying to figure out what what's going on. And that's the, the family practice side coming out there where you have that large yeah. history and if you know it all, then you can kind of guide through as opposed to just like, well, that sounds an interesting constellation of symptoms. We could right. <laughs> we could run some tests. You think uh, of the scope of illnesses only in your field, but if you have the history of everything. One of the I, I noticed about the office, and I thought it was kind of it was an inch. It was a nice touch. Was that every exam room seemed to have a separate room to the side where the patient could change. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's a huge plus. Ours, ours don't. Have, we we uh, step out of the room and <laughs> let them take their underpants off, and yeah, that's like, how it was. Yeah, I mean, my only other critique would be is like. Some rooms have a curtain, and maybe we should probably use that more often. Like when, because when the doctor's like, "Okay, we're all done here," and they we go to leave, sometimes the patient's still, you know, sitting on the table, yeah. and you know, they have like a like a cloth of some kind or the paper like stuff on them. But you know, you open the door to the hallway, and who knows on the other who's on the other side of that door? But but that was I thought it was kind of a nice touch having that extra room off to the side. The patient can change and come out and. Um, is it, I don't think, most of our experience, we haven't had that. It was no, kind of... No, What are some things you liked about your, your midwife, Karen? Well... Because you're, you're, you're the non-medical person perspective. <laughs> like, what are things... <laughs> well, so I, I specifically went on my way to find a female. And I found a practice that was all female. So even if I saw anyone in the practice, it didn't matter. Because I was just more comfortable with that. Um, but my midwife had several kids I think three so I never got the you have too many or <laughs> or when do you want to get sterilized yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, she still asked about like what what kind of birth control but I didn't get the because a lot of them will be like well NFP is not effective or the Ava bracelet is like so we, we take uh, birth control a little bit differently than the average individual or group yeah, so, but I didn't feel like she 
Because a lot of doctors, I, you get the feeling that, like, you're stupid. Um, and I didn't get that feeling from her. So I liked that. Um, she never actually delivered any of our babies. Nope. I just saw her for all of our... But yeah, I think we had a fairly decent rapport. And then, I mean, I saw her for all four kiddos. So she had a pretty good history. And then... Because I know that you're supposed to do certain tests. But like by the third kiddo, I was like, do we have to do the STD panel? She's like, no. Like, <laughs> like, do I have to pay for that? Like, I, I don't know. I think when I was looking, because at the Vancouver Clinic, they all had bios. So I just kind of read everybody's bio and I was like, well, let's pick somebody that I feel like I could have a conversation with outside of an office visit and mm. we'll go from there. And it worked out pretty well. Um, but she was basically, because I did not have a primary care up until right before we left for the island because right. I had to get a physical in order to leave for the island. So then I got a primary care and left. So <laughs> I'm sure she loved that. <laughs> but yeah. But I liked, so I, just from my perspective, is I liked that there were, I don't know, a dozen midwives in that practice. And then there was a whole bunch of OBGYNs that would look over everything. So if you ever got to the point where you needed an OBGYN, you had one that knew about you and that the midwives could handle some of the basic stuff and some of the, you know, like if it was routine pregnancy, great. And then I like that you weren't pushed into an induction. You know, like you got to 39 weeks. It was like, great, we'll see you in a week and uh, for another uh, prenatal appointment. But if you go into labor, we'll, we'll see you at the hospital kind of thing and that, that I like that because it was I mean obviously they don't want you to go past like what 41 42 weeks and you never did no I think I the closest I came was with Nora and I had an induction date scheduled uh, but she she was four weeks late or four days late excuse me yeah so you're getting close to that 41 week mm -hmm. um, but I, I like that because it was like the baby's just gonna come and we have staff ready to go to just take care of you regardless of time of the day Whereas I think sometimes the, the drawback of these, some of these smaller practices is you will end up with the doctor you saw delivering your baby most likely, but they don't want to be on 24 seven. <laughs> like yeah, they would much rather like control a little bit more. Of, I want my patients giving birth during daylight hours, you know, so I can just go there give birth and go back to my practice and do, you know, continue to see patients. I'm not, Waking, I might be in paged at one o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. Right. So that's why they'll <laughs> schedule the C-sections within office hours or inductions. To, right. To try yeah. and like, yeah. I think that's maybe a downside <clears throat> that smaller practices have. They don't have the capacity to just kind of let you go in whenever you want. <laughs> because then, then they'll be, you know, they're never going to get any. I mean, obviously you could have an induction date and you can still go into labor a week early, whatever. And, you know, just that's just how it is, but. My experience, at least with the pediatrics and now OBGYN, is that that's pretty common. Inductions are very common. And again, the reasoning for that is to be discussed at a different time. Right. <laughs> well, you just kind of said the reasoning. Kind of. They don't have the capacity. But I also like that they were kind of, they were open to having you be there. Because I feel like a lot of times... When you go in for it's, an OB appointment, it's, it's still weird. it's still weird as a guy to be there. Like there's sometimes like you're kind of included, and it's like, hey, I mean, I'm not I'm not the one growing a baby, obviously, 
and I can't be like, oh yeah, it's uh, I feel great, Doc. Uh, <laughs> the baby's moving around just fine. Like I, I have I got nothing to contribute to most of the appointment. I'm mostly there as a spectator, but there are definitely times where it's like this is uncomfortable. Like especially when they're like, so how's domestic violence in the house? And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> and then like you know they're watching the spouse because like you know is the spouse there to make sure she doesn't say anything? Oh well, by the second <laughs> or third kiddo, like she was asking about you and how your med- how your medical school journey was going and how are the MCATs and like so like. And I think you got a little bit more than the average that paid Joe off. That paid off with deliveries. Judah. Yeah, I get to. I think I got to cut the cord with all the kids, but yeah, you did. I, for Judah, they were very much like, and this is what's going on here, and they're like mm-hmm. going into a lot of detail. These are the cords. This is the umbilical cord, and these are the vessels that we see in the umbilical cord. And cool. they were a lot more education oriented at that point. Yeah, it wasn't just sticky, gooey stuff. <laughs> like jellyfish or octopus what like what would you say that looks like what the afterbirth like the, the <laughs> that's kind of what it looks like i'll be honest i didn't yeah. i didn't inspect the placenta very closely <laughs> whereas now it'd be like oh make yeah sure it weighs I would have to now i would have to look at the placenta and be like okay is anything missing <laughs> is there still some retained products yeah but i think I don't know. Do you think being, having gone through that process with me, you have a better, cause I was talking to Joe earlier about like how you word things. Cause, cause, yeah. cause somebody had asked if there was a, a better way to word that, which I don't think that to ask there about was. ladies miscarriages. Oh, so. you definitely don't use abortion. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's a, that's a medical term that we use and that's a, in po- polite society and just society in general, Abortion means something very different politically. Induced abortion, as a yeah. you know, like not just a spontaneous abortion, miscarriage. Right, like in in the medical field, we just kind of it's like a catch-all, not really a catch-all, like pre what twenty weeks. Yeah. Um, Any pregnancy, pregnancy yeah. that doesn't make it past twenty weeks is a spontaneous abortion or something like that. I think there's a, a more criteria for that, but yeah. But do you feel like? Since like you you knew when I came home upset about things, <laughs> do you think that you would have a different way of wording things than the average student, or do you think that you'd still kind of word things the same way? Because I mean, it is like looking back on it, like it it is very hard to talk to somebody who's obviously emotional, and <laughs> I don't think there <laughs> is talking to some people. <laughs> well, I mean, you could use the medical terms, and there's nothing wrong with using the medical terms, but it still might. Make the squishy annoyed. thing inside your body <laughs> is. <laughs> I know. I know what you're getting at. Uh, I don't know. I think maybe I have a better perspective on. It, but it's like you have to understand your patient and what the patient wants and what their hopes and whatnot have been. Because if you just go, well, when I my wife was pregnant, this is what we expected and this is what we thought and dreamed of. And therefore, everyone else has the same opinion. Right. And you don't want to make that mistake. I I don't know. I don't know if I would have a better way of comforting people. Or, I would like to think maybe, but I don't know. <laughs> I would I would only say as far as like my experiences, I, I would still be very terrified about having kids. Like I think <laughs> now you're more terrified. more terrified. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know everything that can go wrong and like you know, we would go to the triage at the hospital when you'd go into the labor and they hook up all those monitors on you and we're just like, well, that's pretty little lines. Like now it'd be like, I know what those lines mean. What's going on exactly? Is the baby umbilical cord stuck between the baby's head and the, the pelvis? Is the, you know, do you need to roll onto your side? Like, it would be more terrifying. Oh, who are we kidding? You'd still sit there and be like, are you sure you don't want to call the nurse? Okay. <laughs> this is the person over here who's like, okay, so you need to rate your pain on a scale of 1 to 10. 10 being the worst. And you're like, I don't know. It hurts it's a lot. It's hard. It's hard. It's so subjective. And, like, you have nothing to measure it against. Like, what is 1? What is 10? What, like, worst pain imaginable is 10. Well... <laughs> But it can always get worse. Like, it's not like you're severing my arm or something. Like, I don't know. I don't, yeah, you're just squirming Did in the bed. Did you have epidurals for your births, Karen? Uh, half. <laughs> half. Two, okay. two came too fast. <laughs> she's complaining about me saying, like, well, maybe we should get a nurse because she's, like, squirming in the bed because they left us in triage. And by the time the nurse comes by to check on you again, like... We called her. We called, called her eventually. And she's already at, like, a 10. She got it. And it was like at a three, you know, three or four, and they're like, "Okay, you got some time." By the time they checked it again, it was you were at a ten, and like wheeling you into the into the delivery room. That bed almost didn't fit through the triage door. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was funny. Karen's like, "Can I still get my epidural?" And the nurses that are nurse the nurses are great. Nurse. The nurses are great because they're like, "Well, we'll certainly try, dear." <laughs> <laughs> And like the like the nurse, like what are we at as we're entering the room? Like the, so, the nurse at Karen's feet, so the one that Karen can see, and like what are we at? And the nurse behind her, her head is just like putting up ten. <laughs> <laughs> so they were really good at not telling you how far along. Like you're at ten, you're not getting that. You're not getting an epidural. Like at ten, you're delivering a baby. <laughs> that was that was our second one. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't ex- I wasn't expecting her to come that fast. Yeah. I should have. She was four days late, but yeah, yeah. You think I didn't ask with Judah? At that point, I knew we were too far gone. They tried with, Ju- with Judah. <laughs> he walked in and he walked out. Yeah, it, well, and you were like, you answered the questions. I'm like, I can't answer how you were feeling. Questions to so the anesthesiologist, like. That's... <laughs> These it's are questions. so much nicer when the guy answers the questions. I'm already doing something. <laughs> well, you can't. Like, well, how's she feeling? What's the pain at? Does she have any, like, family history of allergies? Like, I can answer some of those, but, like, at some point he has to, like, assess that you're able to actually do any of that stuff. Yeah. And that he can actually, that you can hold still long enough for him to stick a needle in your spine. He just slowly backed out of the room. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, nope. You looked over there, he was there kind of getting his paperwork in order and looked back again like two minutes later, he was like backing out of the room. Like, yeah, we're not doing this today. So half of mine were natural, half of them weren't. Not not by choice. Not by choice. (laughs) (laughs) But it could have been worse. You could have been my sister. 40 hours of labor. Yeah, she tried for a V-back. 40 hours of labor before they're oh, like, boy. nope, you get another C-section. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> she didn't actually get billed for that, sir. That <laughs> delivery. I think they felt so deep bad for her. <laughs> the OBGYN was like, I'm not, I'm not billing this lady. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, 
don't know. I don't know if it just depends on the doctor that you see or if there is an actual number of C-sections that they... Uh, you take it, Joe. <laughs> I haven't looked at the literature that... Oh. It's like, yeah, this is a question my preceptor would ask me, but she doesn't tell me where to go. Like, I don't have up to date yet. <laughs> I think there's a, a, a probably a factor of how they did the C-section. Cause oh, there's, that would make sense. Because there's the, there's the one they, they cut low. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to forget my landmarks, but they cut it very low in the abdomen. And that one, I think, is the preferred one. Yeah. That you get the baby in and out. But in the emergency situations, they cut vertical. vertical. And those are the ones, like, you generally, like, from there on out, you're not doing vaginal <laughs> deliveries. Because the chance for uterine rupture is... Yeah. And that's, again, another one of those terrifying things where you're like... Huh, why haven't we progressed? Has the baby gone backwards and into the abdomen? <laughs> I didn't know that, I didn't know that was even possible until medical school. Hmm. Did you know that the baby could, could instead of going out the exit, could just go out the up way? Not out, it's just into your abdomen. <laughs> okay, I was like, mm, I think that would kill you. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't very clear. <laughs> not a snake. <laughs> <laughs> that, but no, I did not know that the, the baby could decide that it wasn't ready. <laughs> it's a, it's the uterine rupture. It just slips out through the, the oh. rupture. Medical emergency. Anyway, I'm sorry. We're getting a little off topic here. And we're getting to the hour mark. So, <laughs> so I want to, I guess, thank Joe again for coming in, um, being a guest today. I did not give him any notice, any questions or anything. He just came by for papers and <laughs> he got roped, got roped into roped this. In. Well, I, I'm a regular listener to the podcast, so I'm glad I finally got to banter around for yeah. a minute. Yeah. yeah. I hope it turns out well. <laughs> the post-production is going to be great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Karen, how do they find us? On Instagram, uh, MedFamilyMD, and then uh, podcast you could listen pretty much anywhere. I'm getting nervous about the Instagram thing. Why? Because the dean like is liking some of the stuff we put on there. <laughs> That's good. Do Aaron. you want access to it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I post much. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I just like it, I'm on the teetering edge where like. We go to Trinity. We're students at Trinity. I'm like, obviously, I'm not, I'm not against Trinity in any manner, shape, or form. They, they, they give me a medical education that I could not get anywhere else. But mm-hmm. the school hasn't, like, endorsed us in any sort of way. So, I, like, I'm very careful. But at the same time, like, I don't know. It's it's nice to be noticed. But it's also terrifying at the same time. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so that's uh, MedFamilyMD. Karen, Karen does all that. Apparently, I don't uh, have enough time in the day to do Insta, Instagram. You don't, you don't need another thing that's distracting. <laughs> yeah. And then um, you can find our podcast on I, on all of the podcasting sites, uh, iTunes, Spotify, um, Amazon. I did correct a technical issue someone made me aware of that apparently I was only, my feed was only allowing 10 latest 10 episodes so we did fix that so if you want to go back and listen to the earlier episode you are now more than welcome to do that yeah so i think that's about all we got i hope you guys have a good rest of your week